In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter, here with the 166th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons will face the Carolina Panthers on Sunday at 1 p.m. at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They will not be playing against Ron Rivera. The Panthers' all-time winningest coach was terminated on Tuesday afternoon by new owner David Tepper, uh, despite the fact that his quarterback wasn't available to him this year. Uh, but since Super Bowl 50, let's look at it here. Coach Rivera is 29-31. and 31. That was uh, in the after the 2015 season. His overall record is 76-63-1. Perry Fuel. The uh, Gastonia, North Carolina native will take over here down the stretch. Scott Turner will move into his dad, North Turner, spot as the offensive coordinator as the new owner wants to look at some of the talent on the staff. The uh, Panthers' new owner, David Tepper, uh, talked about uh, entrenched mediocrity. In 25 years of not having back-to-back winning seasons, the Falcons uh, certainly had a stretch like that. Also, but Coach Ryan Rivera, one of the good guys in the league, uh, three NFC South titles uh, just three years ago. He's in the Super Bowl with the MVP quarterback, Super Bowl 50. The Falcons would go next year 51, and since their Super Bowl loss, they are now 20 and 24. So, uh, Coach Ryan Rivera. Released today, won't have a problem finding a job. Uh, maybe Washington, uh, you know, where they have already got rid of Jay Gruden, could be a landing spot for him. But we're going to, uh, you know, I don't think it changes the game much. We'll get into the key matchups here and mix in a little bit of uh, Dirk Cutter and uh, Roddy White ceremony. The Ring of Honor is uh, going on this Sunday at the game, honoring the uh, Falcons' all-time great wide receiver. But let's hear from Dirk Cutter wrapping up some of the issues that the Falcons had in the uh, Saints' loss, which included the nine sacks and the quarterback hits and so forth. So we got into, um, opened up with general questions like I try to do to get them going, and then we get to the specific points. And one here was uh, Caleb McGarry, and then uh, uh, ESPN's Vaughn McClure picked up the ball and, and went a little bit further with uh, those points. So, but let's hear from Dirk Cutter. We got six minutes of that, and we're going to get into the game a little bit and then come back out. And get ready for the Rowdies party on Sunday. Here it comes. Here it comes. Hey, uh, Coach, what are some of the uh, uh, things uh, coming out of that game that 
uh, you know, of course, everybody's talking about the offensive line, about, uh, about getting, uh, getting everything back together before you go play Carolina. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, coming off the last game, I mean, uh, three turnovers, three turnovers and then nine sacks. I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, it's just tough to win. And uh, we did some good things and we made some plays, but uh, you got you to score touchdowns when you have opportunities. And we left some opportunities out there. You know, we got down there once, missed a field goal. We got down there once, had the fourth and one on the two, didn't, didn't get points, although we got points seven plays later. Uh, so take advantage of opportunities, uh, protecting, protecting and not turning it over. Um, uh, Julio not having Julio. How did the guys do? Blake played a lot most times. Most uh, snaps we've seen him play. Yep. Uh, how did the guys try to rise up and make up for that huge loss? Well, again, you, you don't replace Julio. That's a, you know that's one of those guys in the league. Every every team has a guy or two that's that's very difficult to replace. But what what always surprises me in situations like that is how how young guys that haven't got a chance to play very much how they usually step up and, and do better than you, you think they will. I mean, they're not not Julio Jones, uh, like one of the best in the league. But uh, Christian Blake, you know, he he played admirably for a guy that hasn't played very much. He played. Strong. He competed well. He played a bunch of plays. I think we had 93 snaps, which is as high as I've ever had in, in my career. So, uh, you know, I think you look at guys like uh, Russ, uh, Jaden at tight end, and uh, Christian Blake, three young guys that, as they've gotten opportunities to play, they've, they've, uh, you know, they've, they've improved rapidly. And so you got it with 156 to go. Um, can tie it up and try to get to overtime. Uh, but how? I don't know if it's disappointing or what. Are you, what's the attitude for the line giving up the, the, the three sacks there down the stretch? Well, I mean, when you're down, you know, you're down on time, and uh, everyone everyone knows you're going to throw. And uh, you know, 94 is one of the best pass rushers in the league. And uh, you know, at times we were chipping him. At times, at times we weren't. We can't we can't chip every single play. But. Uh, you know, he he teed off on on the rush, and they were they were pressuring us there. And uh, I, you know, that's not the way you know, when you give yourself a chance by getting the onside kicks, which is highly improbable as it is. Uh, then you know, to give yourself a chance and then and then not be able to advance it down the field for sure is is frustrating for for all of us. But uh, you know, that's part of it. Coach, I remember you said something um, earlier in the year about Caleb. Um, and you know, getting his hands on guys and stuff like that. Can you tell me, like, some of the other things that you've seen him maybe grow with, and some things that you'd like to see him grow with more over these last four games? Sure. Being a rookie guy, of yeah. course. Yeah, I think I think you gotta realize that uh, even though that's the second time we played the Saints, uh, you know, Caleb. Caleb gets a, a new education every game, and uh, again going going against 94 like he did, who's one of the one of the best in the game. And if you really go back and look at that tape, uh, Jordan was giving him all of his moves. You know, he was bull rushing him. He was he was uh, moving him inside. He was speed rushing him outside. Uh, he was countering him. He beat him inside once. When we could have done a better job of helping him inside on one of them, but uh, I just think it's a, it's a learning process and and when you uh when you have a young player going against 
one of the better players in the league at his position and a very experienced player. Uh, you know, he, he got the best, Jordan got the best of that matchup. Now, what's Caleb doing well is there's some really good clips of Caleb in the run game where he's he's uh, he's on the backside of a, of a wide zone play and he's, he's getting to the second level and moving the linebacker five or ten yards off the spot. I mean, he, he's doing a good job in some areas and I think just uh, consistently keeping his pass pro technique, not getting turned, and uh, you know, then just staying with his technique even when when things go against him. Sometimes you mentioned um, Caleb in the run game. How would you assess? I know you had the big game, of course, in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Everybody talked about that. Just how would you, as you look at the whole big picture of the run game throughout the season, what have you liked? What have you not liked? What What are some of the things that maybe over these last four games, hey? We'd like to see this. We'd like to see that. Yeah. Well, of course, we'd like to be balanced on first and second down. And, uh, you know, we'd like to run the ball more efficiently and more explosively. And uh, then we'd like to, you know, we'd like to, if we take more advantage of our opportunities that are presented to us earlier in the game, hopefully we're not down two scores in the end of the game where where we can't stay with the running game. In, in talking back rush as an offensive coordinator what kind of tactics can you employ to help the offensive line you know in the quarterback and then how difficult does it become to stick with some of those tactics when you fall behind in the game and yeah. teams know that you have passed yeah, i think everyone will say uh it starts with the, the run game being able to run the football second would be play action uh third would be your screen game fourth would be your your chip game how you how you help how you help a tackle and you know during the course of the game we we did all of those things but uh you know we didn't we didn't do them well enough and the bottom line is we we were still down three scores in the fourth quarter you know you're down three scores you're only going to get three more possessions and that's you know that's not assuming you know you can't usually go into a game counting on getting back-to-back onside kicks there's Dirk cutter Wrapping up the New Orleans thing. I know the timing's kind of funny because, you know, we don't get them till Monday. The game was on Thursday. Uh, you know, ideally, in the good old days, you talk to them right after the game. But you still have questions. We try to write them down and, and get them to you. But going back to Coach Ryan Rivera, just want to wrap it up here with him. Uh, Coach Ryan first met him down in uh, 2005 down at the Super Bowl. Uh, where he was a defensive coordinator, he going to the Chargers, uh, worked there as linebacker coach and defensive coordinator, and then get his shot in 2011 with the Panthers. Did a great job there, 76, 63 and one, 546 uh, winning percentage. Going to be, uh, you know, a hot candidate. If not, you know, there's already speculation that he'll go to Philly. Uh, him and. Uh, Doug Peterson are buddies and their wives are buddies. Uh, his record against the Falcons, 6 and 11. So uh, the Falcons have uh, done pretty good against the Panthers. They own the series record 31 to 18. This will be the 50th meeting. Uh, but uh, uh, certainly, uh, Coach Ron is a coach that uh, brought a lot of energy to it. Uh, they had a. Uh, you know, some pretty colorful characters during his time there, including Cam Newton uh, and uh, Greg Hardy and so forth. So his team's always played hard. And if, uh, you know, they weren't playing with backup cornerback in Super Bowl and Peyton Manning makes two plays, maybe they have a Super Bowl title in uh, the Queen City up the road. Well, let's move on here. A couple of um, 
you know, uh, a couple things we want to look at here. We got the numbers breakdown. It's hard to get enthused about breaking down the numbers between the three and nine team and the five and seven team. Five and seven team has lost five of its last uh, six games, four in a row. But we're gonna do it anyway. Uh, the the big thing here, and we saw it last game, was hey, you know, the Panthers' run defense is, was pretty bad. But they stepped up and stopped the run against the Falcons, which, you know, their run offense has been pretty bad. But they were able to hit. I don't know why they um, committed so much to the run and leave Julio and Ridley wide open, but that that worked for the Falcons. That was uh, 234 yards, 14 catches, one touchdown. Uh, The most combined by those two in a win, they've had more yards, but they were both in losses. So, uh I don't know. We don't know what the strategy is going to be now with all the coaches being moved around. They might go back to a 4-3 and try to play it straight up and let Luke Keekley do his thing. Uh, they've been playing this 3-4 hybrid stuff. The Falcons were trying early on, and they've been getting gashed. They got gashed by the Washington Redskins, by Darius Geis, and, of course, Adrian Peterson. For 248 yards last week, they're giving up 137.5, just 29 in the league. And the Falcons don't have a run game either. It's 74.3 yards a game. And, uh, you know, Dirk Cutter says they got to get away from him when they get behind, which is true. But even when it's time to run, they haven't been able to do it. Only over 100 in two games. So that's a big one going in. You can't, you got to make Kyle, Kyle Allen, Kyle Allen, uh, you know, they were able to move the ball down the field some, but then they, the Falcons got four picks, three of them in the red zone. So they tightened up, played some classic bend but not break defense last game. And that's probably what they're going to have to do here on on Sunday. Uh, McCaffrey, of course, is the big gun there. Uh, I don't think the – the, a young quarterback knows how to use his wide receivers yet. Uh, Greg Olson, I think, is on the injury report. Or I saw a story on their site about Ian Brown stepping up. Uh, we'll have uh, just check the AJC.com this week for the injury report on Wednesday. We'll give you an update on Olson. I can. Um, it sounds like their owner wants to tank and get a better field uh, draft position uh, when they were asking him questions in the presser today. So we'll see uh, exactly how much crazy stuff they do. But I know the Falcons are going to play to win, uh, you know, even though, you know, we might be having, uh, you know, situations here also. But they, I, I know that Coach Dan and them going to play to win. Probably cost them some draft positions, but uh, I understand it. It's, uh, you know, playing the NFL is not uh, the NBA. And tanking doesn't guarantee anything. Good drafting does, though, and so that's a whole nother thing. Uh, but McCaffrey's uh, 235, 1,167 yards, 12 touchdowns. Uh, rushing, uh, 75 catches, 644 yards, uh, four touchdowns. So he's closing in on, uh, that's about 17, that's 1,800 yards. He's closing in about 2,000-yard season. We'll see how much they try to play him down the stretch. Deion Jones will be, you know, main the main defender on him. He does a, a little bit better job with Alvin Kamara. And, uh, you know, him and McCaffrey go at it too when these uh, one-on-one matchups, especially on third downs. 
Before we get uh, to Roddy, just a couple personal shout-outs here. Um, one to my cousin Robert Steeples, the former D-back practice squatter with the Vikings, Cowboys, and Rams. He went back to his hometown in St. Louis and coached his high school team, the DeSmith Spartans, took him to the Class 6A state championship this past weekend on Saturday over Joplin, Missouri. Uh, the Spartans got down 20-7 and then stormed back to take the state title. Bring it home to St. Louis there, 35-20. to So congratulations to young cousin Robert. Uh, that Missouri job's open. He might be ready for it. May not be ready right now, but give him some more time. He'll be, uh, he can put the Tigers back on the map. And also, my friend uh, George Goldman opened up the Patio Social Club. We're going to go by there around 7 and take some questions for uh, uh, from the Falcon fans that frequent there. I'll probably shoot out a flyer here on my Twitter later today. And uh, uh, we're going to try to see if we can do that every Wednesday. But on the Roddy White, all-time leading receiver, uh, Julio's passed him in yards, but not catches. But we were here for the whole Rowdy show. Uh, drafted 27th overall out of UAB. One of Rich McKay's draft picks went on to help anchor the uh, offense as the team climbed out of the Jim Mora era, the Petrino era, and then into the Coach Smith era. Didn't end so well for Rowdy under the Coach Quinn administration. Uh, with Kyle Shanahan, but he had some times here. Uh, remember out in San Francisco, the, the almost 200-yard game. I saw him catch a ball go 80 yards. In the um, Bobby Petrino season, that was the only thing to come out of that was they were able to get Roddy's head screwed on, turned around, and get him to focus and be a pro player. And uh, he talked about that and Brian Fennerman helping him out in that regard. First couple years were a little, uh, you know, Roddy getting adjusted to Atlanta, Atlanta getting adjusted to Roddy. But in that third season with all those quarterbacks, um, Joey Harrington, Byron Leftridge, Chris Redman, Roddy came out of the woodwork and turned in a big season and then showed he can do that uh, the rest of the way was named a four-time Pro Bowler and will be going into the Ring of Honor on Sunday at the game there. Uh, I know some people complain that the Ring of Honor is not inside the stadium and they have it outside, but, hey, it's still an honor, and Roddy's going in there. So, you know, if you, uh, you know, so I know people are staying away from games, but this is one where you need to go and pay tribute to one of the great Falcons here, certainly in the last decade, uh, the great uh, Sherrod Roddy White. So we're going to get on out of here and get ready for the rest of the week. This is it for the 166th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. Take care and have a great rest of the week. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents hip-hop's most pulled elements. 
are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.